Welcome to the Twimmel AI Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Charrington. Gary, welcome to This Week in Machine Learning and AI. Thanks for having me here. Absolutely. So tomorrow, May 11th, is a significant day for you. Uh, for those that are not familiar with your story, uh, maybe we can start out by having you tell us a little bit about the significance of that day and, and kind of the, your path leading up to it. I think it was a significant day for um, computer science more than chess. <laughs> uh, and now, 21 years later, so I can think about it, I can discuss it without uh, the same anxiety and, uh, and uh, even anger that I had at, at a time when um, I faced the blue for the second match. I always remind people, it was a second match because I won the first one in 1996. <laughs> uh, and I lost this match. And um, I heard even today at the conference uh, uh, here in San Francisco about many people talking about moment of inspiration. Yeah, um, not only within IBM rank and files, but beyond that, uh, people saw the great accomplishments uh, for machine eventually prevailing in the game of chess. Uh, it's in a game that always was viewed as the sort of pinnacle of human intelligence. And um, at my presentation uh, at AI Train Conference, I gave a little bit of a background of, uh, of um, uh, this quest for holy grail in, 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 in chess. Beating chess world champion was, um, was an ultimate goal for um, the founding fathers of computer science. They believed that would be the moment uh, um, of revelation, the dawn of right. artificial intelligence. And uh, I have to say that somehow they were wrong. How's that? Because um, they expected, and we can hardly blame them for making this mistake, because the, these great, great men, the great minds, Alan Turing, Claude Shannon, Norbert Wiener, they couldn't imagine the amount of brute force that, was, that is at our disposal now or even was at, in 1997. Right. They believed that for machines to make any significant progress in conquering the human domain of cognition, uh, machines will have to be intelligent. It's more like emulating human thinking. But the brute force that IBM could uh, build into Deep Blue to throw into the game of chess in 1997 proved to be enough to play at, this, at, at, at the top level. I think objectively speaking, when you look at the games we played in 1997, Deep Blue was not unbeatable. It was probably even weaker objectively than I was at that time. But this is a mistake many people made and still making, they think that for machine to dominate any game, it has to be perfect. No, it has to be better. Right. Simply better, <laughs> which means making less mistakes than humans. And humans are poised make, uh, making mistakes. Even the best humans, the world champions, uh, the top players, we were vulnerable to all sorts of factors, psychological pressure. And the moment we make mistakes, we expose ourselves because machines, let's say they have steady hand. Machines getting faster and faster and with this enormous amount of, of, of brute force and speed, uh, they already created a challenge that was very hard for humans to, um, to deal with. And this is a pattern that we could observe in any, any activity. First, we think it's impossible. Then machines are playing with us, competing with us, but they're laughingly weak. 
then it's a very narrow window of competition. In chess, it was from 1995 to roughly 2005. And then machines are superior forever after. You made the point earlier that uh, people put a lot of significance on uh, that date in 1997, but to you, the turning point was, was earlier. Yeah, it was earlier because it's, it's yeah, if we, if we want to be objective and scientific, we should look at game one of our match with Deep Blue in Philadelphia a year early in 1996. I won the match, as I mentioned, but I lost game one. And the fact is that machine could win one game under normal tournament conditions against current world champion meant that the rest would be a matter there. of time. It could take a year, two, three, but but it was already the writing on the wall with capital letters, yeah. the burning letters. But you thought it would take longer than it did. I thought it would take longer. You know, I, thought, I think I could have played better. Um, and uh, after match with D Blue, I played um, two other matches with uh, other programs, Chess Engines, uh, Deep uh, Fritz and Deep Junior. One German program, one Israeli program. Both matched in 2003. Both ended in a tie. Again, objectively, these programs were as good as the Blue, maybe even stronger, though they didn't have the same uh, computing power behind them. But as I said, it, it, it was just, you know, protracted agony. In 2005, it, was, it, it became apparent that uh, uh, human-machine competition was over. Um, my uh, successor Vladimir Kramnik, who was a world champion, played two matches with Deep Fritz. He tied one, he lost the second one. There were a few other matches by prominent players, and it was already one-sided. And uh, uh, it proved my, my point that I made immediately after 1997 match that we had to look already beyond this competition uh, for um, an opportunity to find a new algorithm of humans and machines working together. Because in chess, we could actually make these experiments, um, bringing, bringing uh, um, humans' creativity, humans' fantasy, human, humans' imagination, uh, and to match it with uh, machines' brute force of calculation and memory. So what does that actually mean in the context of chess? The two humans and machines tend to operate at vastly no, different speeds. Of- uh, no, no, but it's, it's still it's, it's, it's about your ability to get the best out of this combination. Because uh-huh. you're going to have two ru- players of roughly even strengths right. operating with the same kind of hardware, even the same software, and you will end up with very different results. Because the trick is, and that's something that I think makes chess quite unique testing ground for uh, all these scientific uh, uh, discoveries, that each machine requires, um, call it special treatment. Because no machine was 100% perfection. And uh, uh, the human's role is, is to compensate for machine's deficiencies. So to actually find exactly what is machine weakness and how we can use our human qualities to cover it, to make sure that these this, this weaknesses will not, uh, um, will not cause um, uh, uh, significant damage during the game. And uh, the trick is that to, su- to succeed in, in playing, uh, playing in this team, human plus machine, you don't need the strongest human and or the fastest machine. You have to make sure that the interface is the most effective. So that's why relatively weak human with average computer but superior interface will be dominant in the game of chess against stronger human player, faster machine, but inferior interface. Well, I'd like to come back to this point of uh, the human and machine interface uh, in chess and and 
understanding the the machine's weaknesses. Uh, but before we do that, just to contextualize, Deep Blue, you like to refer to it as a $10 million calculator or alarm clock or something. Yeah, that it was. Yeah, Relative the, to where well, we look, are. It's the, I mean, Deep Blue would have never passed Turing test. Right. But that's, again, that's so what? So uh-huh. this is, we, we, we don't realize, you know, how much help we receive from what Claude Shannon described as type A machines. It's brute force executing human instructions and tremendous speed. Um, so Deep Blue just proved that uh, with, with uh, massive processing power uh, behind the program, you could uh, uh, perform better than humans in the field of cognition. Again, I want to emphasize it. I think it's very important for people to realize it's not about solving the game. It's about winning the game. It's right. not about playing perfect game. It's, it's about playing better. The same goes for driverless cars now. People think, oh, this is, it's, it's, it's not safe. Nobody tells you it will be safe. It will be safer. Again, it's all about percentage. So machines will never, will never perform at the, at the 100% uh, uh, precision, but they will do step by step. They will do things better, more effective than humans. And that's all we have to look for. It's just about improvements. It's about incremental uh, uh, improvements that we combined are just, you know, securing our progress. So can you elaborate on the distinction between uh, those two? At, uh, in the game of chess, when the human makes a move, if the machine is doing a brute force analysis of all the possible, are they, doing all, are no, they looking again, at all of the possible? It's impossible to do all the possible moves because according to what Claude Shannon, the number of legal moves in the game of chess is 10 to the 45th power. Sure. It's number. It's insane number. It just doesn't exist. It, it exists on paper. No way machine can make calculate all the moves. So at certain point, you need human intervention, or to be more precise, humans' guidance to help to tweak a little bit the the way machine is is, is heading for. And was that uh, how was that present in the match with Deep Blue? No, I, the Blue was me versus machine. It was human versus machine. So okay. now when uh, I licking my wounds, I just realized that that's, that was time to think about um, the way for us to work together. Mm-hmm. Though I still was, I was ready to compete and I wanted to play the rematch with Deep Blue. And uh, as I said, Deep Blue, uh, though not being intelligent, denied me the rematch because right. I think IBM recognized that, <laughs> that the match, the match in 1998, I think I had a very good chance of winning because I, I, could, I could be better prepared and, uh, and, uh, there's nothing IBM could gain out of this match. It was bad for science, their decision not to play the, the, the third match, the rubber match, because I won the first one, they won the, the second. Uh-huh. But it was good from the business perspectives. Yeah. And the IBM executives, they looked at the stock value. So yeah. again, I, yeah. I, 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 I can't complain. So as people said, okay, it was, you made two mistakes, Gary. It's not about chess. A, you have not secured the, re, the, the, the next the match. The match B, you, you, <laughs> you, you, you have not secured stock options. <laughs> Uh, so, how would you have prepared for that match differently? I would have taken um, the blue match more seriously because I, I didn't expect the progress they made after the first match. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, I would uh, uh, probably demand so more transparency with the way the blue operated. Okay. So, just to understand more, because I ne- we needed some information about the blue. I mean, for instance, one of the biggest mistakes I made preparing for the second match is not reading the, uh, the contract, actually not reading the fine print, <laughs> because... To prepare, you need games of your opponent. You have to know how your opponent thinks. Right. 
if it's computer, it could be even more important because machines are less flexible than humans. So by having some games, access to some games, you can understand how machine, you know, could um, make decisions in in some in certain types of positions. Mm-hmm. After first match, I said I would need the blue games, and they said absolutely. And the contract said stipulated games will be provided, and the fi- fine print said only played in official tournaments. And of course, the blue <laughs> played only the laps. So right. one of the things I would have demanded, and they knew it, it's to have access to all the blue games, to understand so how they make certain improvements. Then I w- definitely I would, I would insist on, on certain uh, uh, limitations of making changes for the program during the match. No, but it, it, it's again, it, it would, have not, would have not secured my victory, but it definitely would put more pressure on them because also I would start thinking about my preparation, opening. So, you know, when you lose... You know, you, you spend a lot of time thinking about you know, it. You know, you you, um, you know that you have to make certain improvements. So, and and I was, you know, I was already contemplating. So, what what new things I could I could bring in? And again, as I said, objectively, I was still stronger at that time. So, all I needed is just you know to spend maybe a couple of months concentrating on this match. You know, just getting stronger physically, mentally. So, it would be a big challenge for for IBM. They just walked away. <laughs> uh, so. Deep Blue wasn't even AI. No, absolutely, absolutely not. That's that's what what what's what's annoying is that it was a great accomplishment, but it uh-huh. was type A machine, a brute force. Right. You can even say that Deep Blue demonstrated the limitations of brute force. So mm. as the it's it's not a dead in end. In what way? Yeah, this is it's what you can do. I mean, this is this the the, the it's it's the, your improvement is still uh, uh, would be based on human contribution so that's it's it's all about you know human help that that is needed to to program the machines we still have very strong powerful machines now with is, is that that you can download chess engines on your right. on your uh, software but it's you know you don't need these massive parallel processing power so they're much stronger than the blue much much stronger and it's just they they operate on your laptop yeah so it's but Still, you know, it's 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 a moment that you know is was undeniable moment of inspiration, mm. and though I was um, on on the losing side, so I was a victim. But you know, I uh, I could feel um, not proud, but uh, more comfortable these days, thinking that you know somehow by sacrificing myself, so <laughs> I I helped human progress. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about how uh, computer chess has evolved since then. Oh, as I said, uh, we have very strong chess engines these days mm-hmm. that are far superior to any humans. For those who are familiar with, with chess, Commodore, Stockfish, uh, Houdini, so just those, those programs that are so much stronger than the current world champion, Magnus Carlsen, that the gap between them is about the same as between Magnus Carlsen and the decent player from open international tournaments. And these are also, these are all still type A types of systems. It's a, no, no, it's a type A, those are type A machines. They're, they're, they're type A machines, but but they are just, you know, they're being equipped with more knowledge. So right. it's, it's, it's the it's the software, so it's it's sophisticated. They, Deep Blue could make up to, two, up to 200 million positions per second. These machines would be, I would say, make six, seven, eight million positions per second, but it's more than enough because they, they, they search uh, um, mechanism is far more sophisticated. So they just, you know, yeah, and they do it better, but it's, but it's still, it's the, it's, 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 you call it data crunching. Yeah. 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 Um, now people said that as the, with machines being so strong, chess would face extinction. 
To the contrary, chess is more popular today because it's an interesting paradox. On one side, you have machines that could beat any humans. But on the other side, it um, took away the curtain of uh, uh, mystery from the game of chess. Because when I played Anatoly Karpov for the World Championship matches, even the grandmaster, grandmasters that uh, were analyzing games in the press center and making commentaries on television, they were very shy of criticizing our game. Even if we made mistakes, yes, but it's world champion and the challenger. <laughs> How can you say something negative? You are not sure. Today, every amateur equipped with a computer <laughs> could see that Magnus Carlsen made a blunder because machine is screaming. You know, so now... On one side, it's annoying because, I mean, following these games on the internet and seeing how this bunch of amateurs are just laughing at Magnus Carlsen makes me feel angry. But on the other side... Don't read the comments. But on the other <laughs> side, it brings more people in right. because they can understand it. Uh, it makes it more accessible. Plus, in, they can, you know, they can look at the games, they can analyze the games, they can make preparations. So I think machines played a positive role overall when you look at this overall contribution by making chess more attractive to millions and millions and millions of fans that before felt inferior to to the to the top players just they they couldn't be part of this of this process so they were uh, passive watchers now they feel they're part of this whole process and we thought that uh, in chess you know we 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 would see this 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 gradual development with these type a machines and uh, the conventional wisdom was that stronger machines are Dollar the game is because mm. machines will um, see the combinations way in advance, and uh, there will be less tactics, and it's more position maneuvering, and it's it, games will be not as exciting. Typically, the games played between strongest Type A engines, they are I would say 70, 75, 80 moves long, while the human game is about eighty moves. Mm -hmm. So that's you can see it's 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 um, more precise but less exciting. Now. Everything has changed with the appearance of Alpha Zero. Right. That's the that's a very new type of machine. By the way, I call it here Type C, and ironically, as we can say that Type B machines, contrary to the expectations of founding fathers, never succeeded in chess. Actually, they just you know it's we didn't even have Type B machines. So it's this because the idea of emulating human thinking but still operating with human knowledge right. didn't work out. And it's, we don't even really know what it exactly, means. Exactly, but it's it's the it's this is in, I think it's a, again it's important psychological contradiction in our mind. So we want machines to create a miracle, but we also want to understand how a miracle being created. <laughs> I always say that you know aeroplanes flying faster than any bird without flapping their wings. Right. Deep Blue uh, won, you know, won the match against world champion, uh, outperformed me without outthinking me because it's just the machines do it in a different way. Now, with Deep Blue, you could spend, if you're patient, you could spend a year uh, or so looking at all the logs, you know, going deep, deep down to find out exactly why a certain decision was made. With Alpha Zero, I don't think even Demis Hassabis, the founder of, of, of the program, uh, from uh, Google's DeepMind, I don't think even he can tell you why version 5 played better or worse than version 6. But the importance of AlphaZero that is actually demonstrated, that is chess program or Go program or any program designed on the AlphaZero platform will do better without any human data. All it needs is rules, like a framework to work with, to, to work with and it does the rest. Um, 
I think it's it was quite sensational because while I thought that in golf, for instance, the human knowledge was quite poor because golf is so complicated; it's a complex right. strategy game, and you could say that the the best golf players today they would be at the level of chess players a couple hundred years ago because. No offense, man. It's just the way they play because game. there's so many options. They just they have to go through this very slowly, recognizing the patterns. And um, if you show chess games to a great player of the past of early 19th century, he will be shocked to see some of the moves today. But what's happened with Alpha Zero Chess that by playing 60 million games against itself, right? Uh, spending four hours, of course, with all massive Google power behind it. Uh, it created its own scale of evaluation, which is quite sensational because we didn't see before machines that were able to generate their own knowledge. Mm. And uh, um, the way AlphaZero played was also contrary to our expectations. It played very aggressive, dynamic chess, sacrificing material and uh, looking for patterns that even for me was, it, even for me, it was quite revealing. Because, I mean, I, I could sense that, but just uh, to see a machine that could have the same kind of sense, that was stunning. So if you had some opportunity to analyze its approach to I looked at play. these games. And it's the, okay. So I, um, what I found out is that is Alpha Zero, again, out of statistics, accumulated and, and derived out, uh, out of the 60 million games, figured out certain patterns and connections between material, time, and quality those things are totally incompatible for computer. But just again, statistically, you know, it actually reached reached a point where it could see the connection. So that's why sacrificing material, playing with a pawn down or even a piece down was not uh, um, a big challenge for AlphaZero because somehow from the 60 million games database, it had it had a good compensation. When AlphaZero played uh, one of the strongest um, type A machines, chess engines, stockfish, uh, we could see that it was always one or two moves ahead in giving correct evaluation. Okay. Now, why it's interesting? Because stockfish in this match, though we didn't have the most powerful hardware that it could show, uh, that it could give stockfish sort of the best opportunity to realize its potential. Still, it was powerful enough and it made roughly 6 million positions per second. Alpha Zero made about 60,000. Mm. So, so it's much more precise in what it chose to evaluate. Exactly. exactly. So this is this. Is, so I'm quite happy to say that chess still offers unique opportunity for us to continue this this experiments. So it's about uh, the way machine generates its own data, uh, data, how flexible machine is to change the data under the pressure of sort of a, of, of a new information that is being introduced, and so what will be the human human's role in working with these machines? Mm. Because people could get really panicked. Yeah. And uh, I'm, to the contrary, I'm very optimistic because I could see an opportunity for us to share our knowledge and just to be what I call the shepherds mm. of guiding these AI flocks. Did you find when evaluating these Alpha Zero games that it exhibited an entirely new style of play? Or did you recognize mm. a human element in it or... Uh, a, re a reaction to it's the sort of human element. Style. It's, it's actually, it played more like Garry Kasparov than Anatoly Karpov. Again, contrary to the conventional wisdom that believes stronger machines will play more defensive chess. But 
what was new there is that you know it it could actually move on sacrificing material without seeing immediate consequences because you could look at at other engines yeah that have that very powerful calculation function and uh, neither stockfish nor other programs didn't see the immediate danger coming out of the sacrifice so which means that alpha zero based its sacrifice not on on on, on immediate benefits but on sort of projected benefits Chess has been very well analyzed. Tons of books written about openings and things like that. I'm curious if in looking at the AlphaZero play, you know, did you find a new opening or a new transition or was there anything like that? Well, it's not about new opening. It's just the, uh, what I could uh, um, learn from the games I saw and few hours I spent with AlphaZero in the lab is that it has created its own scale of evaluation which is probably slightly different from the traditional uh, approach. Is it more sophisticated? Probably, maybe not. But what is very important that the machine came up with its own data. It has created knowledge that proved that what we believed was almost fait accompli actually had many flaws. And I think it tells us that no human knowledge considered a dogma. I think AI will help us to fight out traditional ideas that uh, the human experience that had been accumulated over centuries it's, uh, cannot be touched. It's, it's, this is the foundation that we have to build our, build our constructions of our theories. Anything can be challenged. It doesn't mean that everything will be refuted, but AlphaZero opens uh, a new era of us actually revisiting many things that just considered to be sacrosanct. Circling back to this topic of humans and machines, uh, you've talked about in your book, uh, you, you've recognized the historical role of this narrative, the human versus machine narrative, and you refute that. It's a one that's easy to sell. Humans versus machine. We against them. Yeah. Our humanity versus aliens. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so skeptical, actually critical, about AI being presented as artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Because artificial sounds alien, sounds frightening. Uh, it's, it's like a challenge to us. It's something that will potentially threaten our existence because it's, it's a different form of cognition. I believe that augmented is more precise because it, it reflects the, uh, the idea of cooperation, and it sounds friendlier. And it's very important for us at this point is actually to walk away from these dystopian views. It's the Terminators, the Matrix. I always remind people that capacity for evil is still exclusively human. And the greatest danger in the future, in the foreseeable future, is not uh, Skynet, but bad guys, dictators and terrorists that could have hands on the new technology and they will use it to undermine the very foundation of the free world where these technologies have been created. And so in the context of chess, you've been working on some projects to exhibit uh, the, the power, if you will, of humans and machines working together. How or where are those efforts now and how, how do you assess them? I think the future of the human plus machine cooperation in chess will be probably in the field of um, uh, humans plus 
type A machines facing type C machines. So just to recognize, so um, um, to test the flexibilities of, of, of these new machines. And also we could have the um, continuation of what is called now freestyle chess, humans plus machines. It could be one human plus few computers or, or several humans with several computers. It's, it's a different form of human-machine cooperation um, with an idea to provide the best quality. And um, I think there's still many, many interesting uh, uh, experiments to be, to be carried because, um, as I said, every problem requires a unique combination of humans plus machines. And uh, uh, what we learn from chess and what I think uh, will be also the case uh, in, uh, um, let's say, in medicine, in, in medical diagnosis. You don't need top experts to work with the best machines. Moreover, sometimes having the best expert in the industry could be counterproductive because machines are already superior in many, in, in, in many instances. And you just have to recognize that you are there to form a partnership, but to be a partner that belongs to few last few decimal places. There's nothing wrong about it because we can start looking at our exclusively human qualities. I think that AI will, intelligent machines will make us smarter. Consider it as a form of promotion because we can start thinking about questions. We can start thinking about concepts. We can strategize. There's still so many things that we do and machines cannot do it yet or just definitely will not do it in foreseeable future. And I, I want people to stop fretting, stop talking about uh, 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 AGI that will dominate the world and will make us relevant. And let's look at the current problems and let's see how we can turn these most powerful tools that have ever been created to make our lives better. That's what we always did with new breakthrough uh, um, technologies in the past. Uh, well, Gary, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Thanks for inviting me. Awesome. And it's definitely to be continued. <laughs> to be continued. <laughs> because <laughs> because uh, uh, Alpha Zero is the beginning of a new era, and uh, I'm sure that every six months will keep bringing us more news. And um, again, I want uh, people to remember the future self-fulfilling prophecy. And it's for us to be optimistic and just to look for opportunities, not ignoring the problems, but not to concentrate too much on the negative side. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everyone. That's our show for today. For more information on Gary or any of the topics covered in this episode, head on over to twimlai.com slash talk slash 140. Thanks again to Figure 8 for their sponsorship of this episode. To follow along with the Train AI series, visit twimlai.com slash trainai2018. And last but not least, check out our anniversary festivities and share your story at twimlai.com slash 2AV. Thanks so much for listening and catch you next time.